Welcome to Pinewoods Chapel. We're glad you're here. Here's Pastor Chris Atkinson. Far too often, when people talk about church, they use pronouns of my church or your church, and even our church, which gives a misunderstanding about the meaning of church. You see, the church is God's. It's not my church, it's not your church, meaning that we personally own or get to control what happens in the church. Now, when we say my church or your church, and we mean my family or your family, the group of people we do life together with, then we actually have a better understanding of what the church is. Most of the time when people say my church or your church, we really see it as something we have invested in and we expect something back from it. But the church is God's. The church is created by God for God and individuals get the privilege to be a part of what God is doing. The people of the church are really joining themselves to Jesus, coming alongside what he is already doing in the world. When we think it's up to us to run the church or manage the church, we actually run into problems because we place people above Jesus, which really leads to disaster which is what we see unfolding in Canada with residential schools that have been run by the church. Today, as we wrap up our discussion of the church, we need to be clear about who runs and owns the church so that we can clearly see what it means to be the church, to be a part of God's family, where he is the leader and head of the church, and we are part of his family, and we know where our place in his family is. Today we're going to look at a passage of scripture that's found in 1 Thessalonians. And in 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes this letter to this church the church in the whole town of Thessalonica. And as Paul is wrapping up his letter to the church of Thessalonica, he has these concluding remarks that can be seen as a prayer or a benediction for the people he was writing to. And in it, he really clearly articulates what God does for the church because it's his church. So turn with me or follow along on the screen. If you've got some kind of device or a Bible handy, just grab that. And I'm going to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, where Paul just clearly articulates that this is God's church and God is the one who's going to do everything that the church needs to be done. So in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 to 24, it says, 
Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who calls you, he who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. Now the word church is actually not even mentioned in this section of the scripture, but it's all about God's people, God's family. And these are powerful words about what God does in his people, in his church. And the very first thing we see Paul telling us here is that God sanctifies the church. In verse 23, it reads, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. This is actually really good news. The idea of sanctify really means to be set apart, distinguished from everything else. And as Paul says this, he's saying, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. You see, it's very clear here that as Paul is writing this, he says, this is God's responsibility, the God of peace himself. It's God's responsibility to sanctify you completely. It's God's responsibility to take care of the church. It's not your responsibility to take care of the church or for that matter, to even know what to do as the church. But it's God's job. And Paul says that the God of peace himself would sanctify you completely. Not just partly or for a little while, but wholly, completely, all finished. And we see that it's the God of peace that does this. So this is what it actually means for us personally, when God sets you apart for himself completely while giving his peace to us. If you've ever tried to set yourself apart for God, if you're trying to sanctify yourself, you won't have peace. In fact, we feel stressed and anxious. We become worried, wondering if we are good enough for God. When we try and set ourselves apart from everything else for God, we realize, especially when we know God, that our best, is still not good enough for a good God. You see, we humans can't make ourselves good enough for God. We can't make ourselves good enough for anyone. And trying to make yourself good for God, this God who is full of goodness, this God who dwells 
in irreproachable or inapproachable holiness? We can't. And all that does when we're trying to make ourselves good enough for God, all it does is rob us of peace. You see, the church is God's. The people that are called the church are God's. You as a follower of Jesus, as a believer, as a Christian, you are God's. He is the one that has purchased your eternal life through Jesus. You didn't do anything to earn eternal life. You're not your own. You are his. In fact, we can say that Jesus owns the Christian. Jesus owns you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus owns the church. And as the owner, he is responsible for you to set you apart from this world for himself completely. Now, this might sound strange if you don't actually believe in God. This might sound strange if you don't understand what God's purpose is when he wants to set us apart to himself. But you see, God actually wants us to be like him. And the world is not like him. He wants his church, his family, to be like him, which is different than this world. The world is not kind and generous, good. Now, there are good people that do well-meaning things, but there are a lot of brokenness that is happening in our world. And God wants to fix that brokenness. You see, God, as the owner of the church, being responsible for you as a Christian, for the church, for you as someone who believes, he wants to sanctify you completely. So will you let him? It actually takes faith and trust to let God take care of you, to set you apart for his glory completely. And if you are his, he will do it completely. So exercise your faith in Jesus to do what he has promised he would do. And not just for you, but for everyone in our church family. Because Christians are God's church and God's responsibility. We need to stop taking what is God's and making or crafting it to something that we think would be better. And that's what a lot of times happens in the church. Sometimes we do this to ourselves and the church that is called by God. So let's not do that. Let's have faith in God that he can run his family, that he can sanctify his family and give his family peace as his family 
trusts and believes in Jesus. Here's another point that Paul makes very clear as we look at his closing remarks to the Thessalonians in chapter 5, verse 23. Not only does God sanctify the church, but he also presents the church blameless. Yes, blameless. Let's read it again in verse 23. It says, And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here we see, as Paul is writing this, that our whole spirit, soul, and body, he, he's meaning all of us. He's not leaving any part of the human person out when he says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God will preserve his people as complete human beings, blameless in the impending judgment of the day of the Lord, when Christ returns. You see, God actually has the power. God has the ability. God has the knowledge. God has everything in his arsenal to present the church, present you as a follower of Jesus Christ, blameless. God has the power to keep that which we've committed to him. And you'll notice it says that may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God has this power to keep everything about us until we're transformed into this incorruptible spiritual being that no longer needs to be kept. Not only does he have that keeping power, but he also preserves us so that we are blameless without fault on the day of judgment. And this is incredibly good news because we all know that we've all made mistakes. We all know that we've all done wrong things, whether it's to someone close to us or something that we've said. We all know that we've done something that we are at fault with. And so when you think about a judgment day that's coming, and to be able to say that you can stand before God on that judgment day without fault, to be blameless? You see, what, what Paul is saying here is that there will be, that there is nothing that a believer kept by the power of God will be blamed for or found fault with on the day of judgment. And that is incredibly good news. And we just need to stop and, and, and think about this because that means any wrong thing that you have said or done, God will say you're blameless because you're mine. You see, sanctification where he's setting you apart from the world and being kept blameless go hand in hand. God won't 
blame the believer for sin because they've actually repented and come to the grace and mercy of Jesus. And what Jesus has done for those of us that have repented and come to fall in his grace and mercy is that he's actually said, I will take the consequences of all the bad things that you have done upon myself. And on that day of judgment, that day of judgment that is coming for the whole world, all of history. In that day, I will say that you're blameless because you've trusted me. And you've put your faith in me. Now, for all of us, this idea of being blameless is overwhelming. How can I be without fault? I've said so many things. I've done so many things. We know in our heart of hearts all of the things that we have done wrong. And sometimes we remind ourselves. Sometimes we have people in our lives that continue to remind us of how we are to blame and how we are at fault. You see, God looks at the believer as they are blameless. He looks at me thinking about me. He looks at me watching me that I am without fault. So let us not try to be blameless in our own strength. Let us not try to be perfect without fault. Because what that actually does is negate the gospel of Jesus. You see, the gospel of Jesus, the good news, is all about us being at fault and Jesus taking our consequences upon himself. What we get is faultlessness, where we're blameless because of forgiveness given through Jesus to those that trust him and believe on his name and put our faith and trust in Jesus. So how would you like to exchange your blame for blamelessness, for faultlessness? Because that's really what the church actually has to offer. Because the church, the people of God, God's family, are without blame when it comes to God. Now, that doesn't mean that we're perfect. It still means that we, we do things that we need to be held accountable for. But God himself looks at us because of what Jesus has done when he died on the cross to take away the sin of the world. He sees us as blameless. This is so encouraging. This is so impactful, knowing that God keeps us in this blameless state, ready to be revealed at Christ's return. All I do is trust and place my faith in Jesus. God's church is all about what God does in the people called the church. And you too can have God call you blameless by accepting the message of salvation that's offered through Jesus. You see, because God is owning the church and 
because God is sanctifying the church, because God is presenting the church blameless, it's really all about what God is doing. And when you and I accept the message of salvation through Jesus by confessing our belief in Jesus, that he died on the cross for our sin, and as we trust his promise of eternal life, we are declared God's. And the real meaning of the church is all about God. Because not only does God sanctify the church and present it blameless, he actually steps up and says, I know this may sound crazy, but I will do all of this for you. As we continue reading here at the end of Thessalonians, we see that God is faithful to his church. Because it's God's church. He owns it. He pronounces the truth about his people, his church, those who believe in him. And he is also faithful to the church. So as we look at Thessalonians 1, chapter 5, verse 24, as Paul is wrapping this up, he says, He who called you is faithful. He will surely do it. You see, if God owns the church and if it's God's church and if you're God's and you're his possession and he has promised to sanctify you completely and if he has promised to present you blameless at his coming, then he is also faithful and able to do it. You see, the church is the people. The building is where the people gather. God is faithful to his family, his people, his church. God will do whatever he says he will do. God is not like humans. And we need to realize that God who rules in the heavens is totally different than us. And sometimes we want to bring God down to be like us so that we can maybe understand him. But God is not like us. We cannot look at God through our own understanding, through our own lens. We must see God as he is seen in the light of Scripture, where God is described to us as this holy, righteous, just God who is loving and kind and compassionate, full of mercy, but yet also full of truth and justice. He is a consuming fire. You see, the church is his people. And God will do whatever he says he will do. Whatever God has promised, he will fulfill that promise. Now, there may be a delay in how fast this promise takes place, but God's word to us is sure. It's trustworthy. So if he has called you and invited you into his family and you've said, yes, I want to be a part of God's family, his church, then God himself says, I will do all that I've committed to you to do. And we're reminded here that he has promised to do everything 
for the church, for his people, to sanctify his people, to keep his people, and to present them blameless at his return. You see, the church is all about God. It has nothing to do with us. You see, we're just coming alongside a holy God who has this family and he wants his family to be full and he wants to bring and adopt the people into his family so that they can experience everything that God is. You see, Jesus is the faithful one, the one who keeps promises. We as humans so often break promises. We break promises to one another. We break promises that we make to our employers. We do this all the time, but Jesus, God, is not like that. Jesus is the one who keeps his promises. Jesus is the faithful one. And if he said that he's going to do something, he will do it. And we can look back in history and we can see, we have historical evidence both in the Bible and outside of the Bible where God has said beforehand, hey, I'm gonna do this. And then he did it. Jesus has told us as we've been reading here that he's gonna come back again. The scriptures remind us of these things as Paul is writing here. He is coming back again. And when he comes back again, he is coming back for judgment. He is coming back to wrap these things up that are happening in this world. When we start to think or to doubt God's ability to fulfill what he has promised, to fulfill his side of the bargain, we're no longer trusting in Jesus, but putting our trust and faith in ourselves to make it through life. And so often we do this. Jesus being the faithful one is really what the church is all about. He is faithful. That's why it's his church. And God will sanctify the individual who trust in Jesus. He's going to present them blameless at his coming. And he alone has the power to do what he says he will do. You see, none of the church is about us. It's all about him. And that's why it's his church. That's why it's his family. And that's why we just get the privilege of being a part of his family. You see, it's not my church, it's not your church, but it's God's church, it's his church. And as we have the rightful perspective on whose church it is, and as we keep Jesus in this place of leading the church, the church is not as messy. The church actually begins to function the way that God has called it to function. But too many times in history and too many times even today, we place ourselves in that position and say that this is my church, this is our church. And it has nothing to do with us or mine. It has everything to do with God and his church and his people. You know, if you've been listening today and, you, and you've been hearing that God is going to present you blameless on that judgment day, and you're not sure, you're kind of questioning, well, I'm not sure if that's actually going to happen to me or not. Know this, that if you put your trust and you put your faith in Jesus, 
that you trust him for all that he has done. You confess your sins to him and you say, God, I, I, can't, I can't do this. I can't make myself good enough for you. But I trust you that you can make me good enough for you. You know, when we do that and we say that to God, God reaches down and he adopts us. He brings us. He puts his arms around us and pulls us into his family. And we become a part of the church. God's people. So I want to challenge you today, if you've never made that decision, if you've never just given your life to God so that he could protect you and, and declare you blameless, that is coming, that you would do that today. And for those of us that have made that decision to follow Jesus and to trust him, to present us blameless and to sanctify us, that we would actually trust him. That we would not try to do it on our, on our own, but that we would trust God, that he would present us blameless, that we would trust him, that he would sanctify us, that we would trust him, that he would keep us, that we would trust his word and his promise that he would finish what he started in us. May each of us today trust Jesus with our lives. May we put our faith in him and may we look to him to finish what he said he would finish and look for that day when it is finished. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for sending Jesus into this world. But God, I thank you so much for the promises that you've made that you will keep us as your church, that you will present us blameless, that you will set us apart for you. And Lord, if you've made those promises, that you are faithful to do those promises. So God, we put our trust in you today. We thank you for your promises. And God, please help each of us not to step into your role and try and fulfill these promises, but that we would let you be God and that you would be God in our lives, that you would be both our Savior and Lord. So God, we give you the praise and we thank you for all that you've done. And we pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support the ministry of Pinewoods Chapel, please visit pinewoodschapel.com and click give. Have a great week.